Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are on episode 47 of the Word in Youth Ministry. My name is Kyle, and I'm here as usual with my friends Matt and Linda, and we are excited for today's conversation as we think about helping students trust the Bible uh, in our youth ministries. So before we jump in and introduce our guest, uh, Matt, how are you doing today in the great state of Texas? We we, uh, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary as a church, so... Hmm. Um, we had a jubilant weekend. Our planting pastor came back and preached. We installed our new lead pastor yesterday. So things are things are looking up in San Antonio. Wow, how exciting. And Linda, how are you doing uh, this morning in the great state of Florida? You know, I don't know anything exciting to say about Florida. It feels great down here, though, as opposed to I'm sure what it feels like in Ohio. So it's going to be a like real shock to the system when I head up to Pennsylvania soon. Yes. And I mean, here in Ohio, it is cold this morning, but the sun is shining. So we we take victories uh, where we can. And talking about victories, we're excited about today's conversation. Uh, this is our first conversation with a guest uh, coming from across the ocean. Uh, today, we have Dr. Peter J. Williams with us. Uh, I first came across him due to some of his work in biblical criticism, or maybe another way to say this is um, figuring out if we can trust the Bible and trust the sources in the Bible. And he wrote a book that is helpful called Can We Trust the Gospels that came out with Crossway a couple years ago. And this morning, we're going to talk to him about uh, about this book and about teaching not only our students the word, but whether we can trust the word that we are teaching them. But first off, uh, Peter, thank you for joining us this morning. It's great to be with you. And can you just tell our listeners, for those who are not familiar with you, a little bit about what you do and about your writings, but also, you know, you just shared with us a little bit um, about a recent discovery you made that uh, I think will be pretty exciting for them. So, yeah, I um, head up uh, the largest collection of sort of Bible uh, geeks uh, who are looking to serve the church in the world. And we have uh, Britain's largest library of the Bible. We're in Cambridge. Uh, in the square mile where the electron was discovered, where DNA was discovered. And so we have a whole load of geeks uh, geeking out on the Bible. Uh, and I've been there for quite a while. And uh, that's what I tend to do, read the Bible in its original languages and any early stuff, early manuscripts uh, and so on. And so, yeah, uh, during uh, COVID lockdown in 2021, I was reading a manuscript that had been rubbed out uh, using enhanced uh, imaging techniques and actually realized I was looking at the earliest star coordinates that have ever been recorded. And so that's been written up now as research in nature. The great astronomer Hipparchus from the ancient world, everyone thought his work was lost. And well, uh, it turned up on my screen, so it's not lost. Wow. Yeah, so that's how cool. How incredible. And before we jump into the questions, uh, as I mentioned, your book, Can We Trust the Gospels, uh, that Crossway published, I came across it a couple years ago after it came out and actually read it with one of our students in our youth ministry. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about the heart behind that book uh, for our youth workers who don't know? And then Matt will ask you our first question today. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it took uh, 20 years to write and it takes four hours to read or listen to an audio book. So, that, you know, that's that's the sort of ratio. And I I thought of it pretty carefully. And so it, it's gone into about 10 languages. And really, I wanted to 
make it a simple book. So I try not to presuppose any information and just lead you on, uh, but to get as technical as you need to. So when uh, we talk about um, manuscripts and museums, I'm going to tell you what the Kung uh, number on the shelf is so you can actually find that manuscript. So try not to be based on opinions, but give people real hard things that they can, uh, uh, hard data they can look at for, yeah, how we can trust the Gospels. Yeah, well, thank you for writing that because we, uh, as youth workers, are looking for resources always. And part of the heart behind this podcast, again, we are youth workers encouraging youth workers. And I would just say, a lot of times we might think our kids don't want to know this stuff or they're not interested in this stuff. But as I've found over the past couple of years, if we raise the bar for our students, um, it's just amazing how students can kind of grab onto this and learn these important topics. So Matt, why don't you start us out with our first question of the day? Yeah, Dr. Williams, thank you again for being on. Um, you've spent so much of your life and scholarship writing and researching about trusting the Gospels. Um, could you specifically just speak to why that is so important for our uh, upcoming generation? Well, it's really important to have a foundation um, and uh, for, for what you believe. There are loads of opinions uh, around the place. There's lots of uh, different opinions about what's uh, good and bad. And actually, uh, the vital thing is, uh, does God have an opinion on things? And what we got in the Gospels, I think, is very clearly God sending his son to earth to tell us about himself. So that's the vital thing. Has God ever spoken? And I think he has. He's spoken to us uh, in Jesus. And Jesus is really absolutely remarkable. And what you've got in the Gospels is uh, early accounts of uh, his life and his teaching and, and how that uh, applies to us. And so as you think about uh, this book that you have written, um, and uh, as we're trying to figure out um, if we can trust the Gospels, why is that specifically important for the next generation, whether we can trust the Gospels itself? Um, we know it's important for all generations, but as we think about the upcoming generations, why is it specifically important for them? Well, if you can't trust the Gospels, you don't have a reliable knowledge of Jesus. And if you don't have a reliable knowledge of Jesus, it's hard to know God. Uh, Jesus is uh, the one who uniquely has come into the world to save us from our wrongdoing and our mess that we get ourselves into. And every generation is going to get itself to in a mess, uh, into a mess. And so uh, we, we all uh, need Jesus. And it's really essential that um, we stop just listening just to our feelings, just to our hearts, just doing the things that we want, or we should be obviously in tune uh, uh, and understand uh, the feelings inside us to the extent that we can, uh, but actually to take our measure from by something else. And mm. it's really important for youth not just to turn in on themselves and just look to other youth for their lead on things, uh, but actually to uh, look to uh, Jesus who stood above all the different um, movements that there are in our cultures uh, this way and that, um, the sort of political divides that we have. He just stands outside of those and speaks to the situations everyone uh, is in. So when we start teaching this topic to students, um, there are a lot of different ways we could approach it. You know, here are a lot of different reasons. We can trust the Gospels. Maybe we could go at it from the dates of the writings, the number of the manuscripts, all these different things. Do you have a specific recommendation as to how we start 
these conversations, what we might focus on first? Well, I think there are different ways of doing it that are good, uh, and and that that's great. Uh, my common way in is just to say, look, these writers really know what they're talking about. So you're in uh, different states, you know, Florida, uh, Texas, Ohio, Ohio, and if you tried to write a story about a state you'd never been to, you'd make a mess pretty quickly. And what we can clearly see is the gospel writers know the places they're writing about they get the towns right they get them in the right place they get the shape of the land right and they get what people's jobs are right they get the customs right they get the religious groupings right they get the names of people even local names right all those sort of things they're persistently getting right that shows us at least these guys um were physically close up and i think some of those things actually show you they're close up in time so that's all just to start off with. But then when you look at the patterns that you have in the Gospels, you've got four different Gospels. They're not all copied from each other. So, in fact, you can analyze the relationship between the Gospels and see that clearly we've got multiple different um, paths for Jesus' teaching to get to us. It's not just one person's say-so. So they, they stack up. Um, I'd encourage people to think, they're only nine hours long. All four Gospels, audiobook is just going to be about nine hours. Harry Potter, read by Stephen Fry, is about 135 hours. So all sorts of things that people just eat up uh, regularly. Um, the Gospels are so much shorter. And so, yeah, really worth um, trying. Yeah. Dr. Williams, I, uh, <clears throat> I remember in one of my hermeneutics class, one of the professors talking about uh, straining a gnat and swallowing a camel and how that Aramaic there is connected to Jesus. This is, it's a pun, but I, I was wondering mm -hmm. if there is something, just a tidbit that you could give us that might be fun to geolocate uh, Jesus um, just from the gospels that would, you know, so that our listeners could kind of catch hold of that idea that you're talking about. Yeah. So you can geolocate Jesus on many bases. Uh, so he speaks the local language. So uh, he speaks Aramaic to the little girl in uh, Mark 5. He says, Talitha kum, little girl, uh, uh, get up. You can geolocate through the specific ways he talks. So uh, you uh, over there, when you measure um, temperature, you do it in Fahrenheit. I'm from Europe. I do it in Celsius. Now, when Jesus uses measures, he uses the local measures. So he tells this story of a woman who hides her uh, yeast into three measures, literally seas, S-E-A-H, of flour. That's exactly the right dry measure for that land and not for anywhere else. So you get those sort of uh, things. Then you, you get uh, the fact that he's using the words go up and go down in the right place. Uh, so he tells this story. Uh, of the Good Samaritan. It goes like this. A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Well, Jerusalem is 750 meters above sea level. Jericho is the lowest city on earth, over 250 meters below sea level. You're going down a kilometer and he gets them going down. Um, and then he says, and then he fell amongst thieves. Well, the interesting thing is that very route is where there's lots of wines and you can be attacked by thieves. Then he says, and along uh, was a priest going down that road. So the priest is leaving Jerusalem, going to Jericho. Well, we know there were lots of priests living in Jericho. And of course, they do their work um, at the temple up in Jerusalem. 
all of those sort of things are very specific bits of knowledge you're getting in a story of Jesus. So, yeah, we can geolocate him through that and other means uh, where you can say it really does make sense that this is someone who comes from this particular place, not anywhere else. I love that because I'm just thinking about how all that you just said, I think you modeled well for youth workers. And I know you talk about this in one of the chapters in the book, Can We Trust the Gospels? Uh, what this kind of does is it's almost like it, a lot of our teaching is if we're drawing um, on a paper and it's black and white. And what you just did for the students is you color it in. You help the mm -hmm. students realize that Jesus actually was a real person and and um, as as uh, they're learning the Bible, they're realizing this is actually true. And so I have yeah. one more question for us, a little different than I was planning on asking, but I think it's helpful before we take a break. Um, for the youth workers out there who are listening to this thinking, okay, the Bible is 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, written over thousands of years. I want my students to trust the Bible, but mm -hmm. yet... Your book is called Can We Trust the Gospels? Can you explain for our listeners why it makes sense to focus on them teaching the students if we can trust the Gospels and how once students trust the Gospels, that lays the foundation for believing the rest of the Bible? Yeah, so I, I think um, Jesus is presented in John's Gospel as the Word of God. You could put another way is he's the communication from God. Uh, so I think that's a really great place to start. Having said that, you know, uh, God started his communication with us uh, before Jesus came into the world. Uh, so uh, Genesis can also be a good place to start. But I think the Gospels are a great place to start. They don't require as much cultural knowledge um, as uh, some of the Old Testament books to understand. And once you do that, you see that Jesus not only uh, is a remarkable individual, but he has this life that actually makes a great storyline with the rest of the Old Testament. So if you go down to a synagogue, you'll find they basically have the same books, the same 39 books that we have in our Old Testament. So the same books, they might count them slightly differently. They might group some of them together, but the same books. And they begin with this story at a, um, a tree, two people in the garden uh, taking the fruit they shouldn't uh, take and uh death comes into the world through them uh, and it's a sort of beginning of a story and you think well if i if that's how a story begins how should it end and in jesus's own life of course you get this amazing climactic scene in the gospels where he dies on a tree i mean a cross is not a, a smoothed piece of wood it's actually a rough tree uh, that's how uh romans used to execute people he dies on that bringing life and sort of just before he's met with his disciples and said, take, eat. Uh, yeah, this is my body, just like back in the garden, the woman took an at and so on. So I'd say it's an amazing story end. And yet, you know, that the Christians who wrote the story of Jesus weren't the people who wrote the story at the beginning of the Bible. And you also know that the Christians who wrote the story of Jesus up weren't making up the bit about him being on a tree. That's externally verified elsewhere. And you think just how many people can say and do the remarkable things that Jesus didn't said, teach the parables, um, teach the golden rule, do unto others what you'd have them do to you, and have their own life fit within a story arc like that, uh, such a good story arc that, uh, you know, 
Tolkien or J.K. Rowling, top writers, use that as something for the story arc of their own best-selling books, and who is then seen by people, risen from the dead, uh, empty tomb, starts uh, this um, movement, which now two, that, two million people, billion, sorry, two billion people on the planet uh, now would say that they're followers of Jesus. It's an amazing thing. Uh, I don't think that happens all by chance. So I would say it's it's the best story. Yeah. Yeah. And the and when we think of all that we can teach our students and all, you know, if I think of the students in my church and the students in Linda's church and the students in Matt's church and all the students that are represented by those who are listening to this podcast today, um, this is what we want them to know. Right. We want them to know that that this is the best thing that we could be teaching them. So we're going to take a quick break here on episode 47 of the Word and Youth Ministry. And then when we come back, we're going to continue talking to Peter Williams about this topic of trusting the Bible. So we'll be right back. I often hear grandparents say how glad they are that they don't have to raise kids in today's world. While these comments might not be very encouraging to those of us who are parents or who are doing youth ministry with kids today, they do recognize the fact that there are lots of confusing and dangerous cultural realities that kids need to navigate if they are going to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. In an effort to provide parents and youth workers with an easy-to-use tool designed to help kids find their way through the choices they face in today's world, I've written a new little book that can be used individually or in small groups, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. It's the shortest book I've ever written, but it's the one I believe will have the greatest impact in terms of discipling the emerging generations. If you want to teach your kids how to live in today's culture while following God's will and way, check out this new little book, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. You can learn more and order copies at cpyu.org. Welcome back to the Word and Youth Ministry Podcast. This is episode 47, where we're having a conversation with Dr. Peter Williams. Um, Dr. Williams, so thankful again that you're here. We are uh, just excited about this book, Can We Trust the Gospels? Can you give us some insight into how you might use this um, with students as you walk them through kind of uh, figuring out how they can better trust uh, what's what's been given to them? Yeah, well, I mean, I've had good feedback from you know 14-year-olds uh on this and i've used it with youth um i tried to make sure that i'm not although i'm explaining some things that are uh technical i'm trying to keep everything simple and so even the very idea of a gospel i want to explain what it is in the beginning and build up so it's one of those things where through the book it should build on what you've read in the previous chapters and uh do it nice and slowly I think there are ways that you could um, look at this. For instance, I give you a few non-Christian sources about early Christianity. You can take those texts and you can study them together just so people can see some of the non-Christian sources that there are and, and what they tell us. You can look at the Gospels and you can draw. I've got quite a few charts in there. You can use those and look what knowledge the Gospel writers have. Uh, there's a fun thing with human names, personal names. They vary from place to place. And so you can actually uh, look at some uh, data on this. So uh, in the US, Michael was a really popular name in the 1960s. It's sort of been going down through time. 
And you may want to be able to play a game with, if you've got a big enough youth group, what are the common names in your group or their schools? Um, and actually play off the fact that names in one place differ from, say, if you were to talk to a group of people uh, in any European country or Mexico, or wherever it is, you'd find that people just have different names. Uh, and again, you can see how uh, those change over time. Uh, so if you were to take a whole uh, group of names uh, in the US now or 200 years ago, you get different names. Um, and that really shows you how um, the Bible fits together uh, because it's got the right names. And you can also play games about how people forget names. So names are really easy to forget. And so the fact that the Gospels have got that right uh, yeah. is, is an interesting thing. Uh, you've got the telephone game. People sometimes say uh, the Bible is a bit like telephone game. Uh, you can play the telephone game and you can actually uh, show them. It's a really artificial game because you need to have enough people playing it and you've got to make very strict rules. They're only allowed to say the thing once. They're only allowed to um, say, say it to one person. Each person is only allowed to hear it from one person. You've got to have enough people playing it and you've got to whisper it. You can't shout it. So you could have two groups playing the telephone game, one playing the telephone game properly and the other other lot playing it improperly, where they're allowed to shout and repeat and all that sort of stuff and see what difference of result you're going to get. And you're going to get some fantastically different results. Yeah. Um, and so you get to see how, how things are, are passed uh, down over time. So, I mean, those are those are a few ways. That's really creative. I like that. Um... So just to get into maybe like one specific topic, um, you know, one thing that uh, you kind of picked up on, that I, th I think relates to something um, earlier, you were talking about how kind of the story arc fits together. Um, yeah. And that's one thing looking at the gospel sometimes that um, can sometimes trip up students is it seems like one gospel tells a story in one order, the other gospel tells a uh, it seems like a contradiction because some details are out of order. Right. And I think yeah. narrative and story are really important to this generation. Yeah, so yeah. what do we do with that when we come across those apparent contradictions between the gospels and explaining that to students? Yeah. So I think one thing to do is just to um, zoom out a bit and get your bearings because what we don't have in the gospels is Jesus. One gospel telling us Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. And another gospel telling us he was born in Alexandria in Egypt, because, you know, fitting those two together would be really, really hard. And just to gauge that we don't have any what I would call defeater contradictions that are just so tough. You're going to give your hat, throw your hands up uh, in the air and say that can't work. What you often have is people are saying, look, in one gospel, it's got two angels at the tomb. Another one, it's got one. There's a little bit of a different order here. Uh, but. All of those sorts of things are the sorts of things you get when people are independently reporting. Uh, they don't actually undermine the truthfulness. And for people to understand that they, uh, if you get any four newspaper reports of anything, they're going to differ a bit. Uh, differ doesn't mean they can't both be true, or can't all be true. So I think you look at those differences sympathetically, and it's not they, they can often be fitted together more than one way. There isn't just one way uh, of doing that. Uh, I do a tiny chapter on contradictions uh, in which I, I, I sort of take an unusual tack because I actually 
argue Jesus deliberately contradicts himself sometimes. That is, he's actually a teacher who uses paradox. So often what happens with this whole contradiction thing is we're trying to fight skeptics and it's sort of like we win or they win. Uh, and if they can show one, they win. If we can't reconcile it, they win. Well, what about Jesus, uh, you know, who, who steps into the room and says, I'm going to tell you something really puzzling, which is what he does. And it's like at Christmas time, you sometimes get those puzzles and you spend hours trying to do this thing. But the fact that you can't instantly fit it doesn't mean you don't believe there's a solution. So I think part of it, um, it is recognizing that some of what you got in the Bible is a bit more like those Christmas puzzles. Um, and uh, what gives you confidence? It's not just a puzzle that can't be done. Uh, well, it's the manufacturer. They wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, make business if it didn't work. And uh, Christianity is uh, spreading and it, it's 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 going well and changing lives. And uh, yeah, there are meant to be puzzles in there. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 just another thing just to say, and um, sometimes people are thinking that God's trying to be as clear as he possibly could be. Right. Um, and it's not like that. And the, the best example for this is the cross. You can stand underneath the cross as Jesus is being crucified and think that's amazing evidence that he's a loser, that he's an imposter and the Romans are in charge. And this is just going really badly. And that's at the very point when God's showing his love to us because God's structured everything so that if you seek, you find. Um, and But you have to seek. And there's a lot of things in life like that. I mean, depends how old your youth are but a lot of them may have done some physics and they know that quantum mechanics and uh you know general rev relativity don't fit together very well but you don't throw up your arms immediately the moment you're told those things don't fit together very well you think i know i'm gonna try and understand more so just seeing these things as meant to be puzzling uh can be helpful it's almost like uh, the same author who said, answer a fool, not according to his folly, also said, answer a fool, according to his folly. Exactly. Um, Dr. Williams, I does this, you know, one of the things that I'm kind of hearing from you is there's a, there kind of needs to be a slight change in the way we think about um, the text of the scripture, the gospels, kind of from like a scientific precision to maybe something a little different. Am I hearing that correctly? Well, I mean, I think we sometimes have made up new rules. Um, and so we change the goalpost. So I, I've got a little bit in my book about speech marks. We invent speech marks. We then put them into our Bibles. And then we complain that the gospel writers aren't following our um, quotation methods. Well, you know, that's because we move the goalposts. And just the same as, you know, you might suddenly reduce the speed limit in an area because there's a school there. You you don't find everyone who drove along at the old speed before the sign went up, mm. uh, you know, and, and so we just got to make sure we're understanding uh, this. And, you know, one of the fun things for everyone can be to explore other cultures and uh, youth can be fascinated by the way things used to be different. And so there is that thing to just explore that the Bible gives us another culture and another time. Yeah. And so get into that and enjoy the mystery. And so, uh, Peter, you have a book coming out here in several months about the surprising genius of Jesus. Um, yeah. 
And how does this for our listeners, this all this all ties together, right? How you answered Linda's question about Jesus knew what he was doing and Jesus obviously being a teacher. Can you just tie this all together for our listeners? Yeah. So what I do in that book is I show uh, just the cleverness of Jesus's teaching uh, mm. that he's able to uh, tell a story like the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the two sons in which he's actually teaching two groups of people simultaneously. He's teaching people who know nothing whatsoever about the Bible uh, and he might be running away from God. And he's telling really deeply religious people who know a lot about the Bible and he's speaking to them both simultaneously in different ways. And that's a really clever thing. And I show that he does that elsewhere as well. Um, and what you've got with Jesus is just so many things coming together. It's the fact that uh, he gives us a message which makes sense of life. He has loads of memes. I mean, Jesus is just like meme extraordinaire. Um, he, he just um, judge not that you be not judged. Do unto others what you'd have them do to you. Render to Caesar things at Caesar's turn the other cheek, go the second mile. I mean, they're all memes. And, and you think, and they're really, really helpful for life. And so you have those sayings, the stories, the life, and it all fits within the story arc and the miracles. And you start thinking, this is just too much to be coincidence. So I think that's where uh, encouraging people to center their thoughts on Jesus, because your youth should know that some people will let them down in life. Even youth pastors might let them down. Pastors will let them down. Churches are going to let them down, but Jesus is not going to let them down. That's what they need to know. Um, so that when, yeah, when things um, go horribly and some Christian treats them badly, um, they think it's not about the Christian, it's about Jesus. Yeah, that's helpful. And we'll have in our show notes uh, a link to this book, The Surprising Genius of Jesus, uh, which is coming out in a few months. And as we wrap this up, uh, Peter, one last question for you. Um, we know you have given your life to uh, studying the the Bible, the Word of God, and you present to a lot of people, academics and churches and things like this conversation we're having now. Um, for our listeners who realize that they have teenagers that they teach the Bible to every week and they have um, parents that are represented by the teenagers who are in their room, what encouragement would you give them? based on all the research that you've done and all the writings that you've done, what would you encourage youth workers to keep going in this pursuit? I would say that children have amazing receptivity. Teenagers have amazing receptivity and people in their early 20s do in terms of just their memories and what they can take on. Uh, so you can stretch them far more than you would think. Uh, they 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 can do uh, they got resilience uh, so you know um, that's an amazing uh, thing and uh, yeah don't underestimate what 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 you can uh, give them I'd say that's a that's a key thing yeah that's helpful for us uh, as we wrap up this episode episode 47 of the word and youth ministry podcast this is part of the center for parent youth understanding podcast network and we've talked to peter williams about helping students to trust the bible uh this has been fun for us we have ohio texas and florida represented and now our first episode where we're crossing the atlantic uh and here we are having a conversation all four of us together today so peter thanks so much for joining us and for those who are listening check out the show notes here and uh, we'll be with you next time
Thanks for listening to The Word in Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.